Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary's 28th bonus episode. You somehow got the number correct. Good job. Thank you. Yeah, it took me, uh, I'm about to triple checked it, quadruple checked it, just kept going back. So finally got it right. Just keep checking it. Yeah. I bet you not only did you triple check it, but you know you checked it three times. You even got that part right. (laughs) I I have full faith and confidence in you, sir. That's right. Okay, so before we begin today with the bonus episode, I just had to say something regarding one of our first patrons, actually. Um, He joined as a patron very early on in our podcast, and his name is Griffin. He's a handsome cat that belonged to my girlfriend, but was part of our entire family. He lived with us for years, and at the age of 16, he passed away with bravery and dignity. It was just a few days ago. So we're all trying to adjust, and it's really hard. Um, as some of our listeners know, who have lost close pet friends, how hard that is. Um, just the silence and not having him around is really tough. But anyway, wanted to dedicate this episode to him. Uh, we love you, Griffin. We miss you, buddy. And unfortunately, though, this episode won't be about the absurdity of silly pigeons gathering on our porch or the strange nature of ice spinning in a bowl, <laughs> water bowl. Nope, it's not going to be that. Unfortunately, it's gonna, <laughs> that's going to that's going to be later on, I think. But yeah. Um, yeah, so unfortunately, we won't be talking about any of that fun stuff uh, today. We're actually going to conclude our bonus two part series on the tale of two Bundys. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So last time before the um, the Frank Dukes interlude, we we discussed Cliven Bundy, the Nevada rancher and anti-BLM. That's, by the way, that's Bureau of Land Management, though. It's um, that's not Black Lives Matter, though. I think Black Lives oh, Matter, he probably would have been against them, too. Oh, let's be honest. So he yeah, would have had sure. <laughs> um, he would have had a lot of very useful and constructive things to say, I, I think, <laughs> yes. right about now. Yeah, so on this episode, we'll introduce his son, Amon Bundy, with a little Eamon. Ryan Bundy sprinkled Eamon in for good Bundy. measure. You're right. I think you might be right. Eamon. Eamon Bundy is the son of Cliven Bundy and his first wife, Jane Marie Brown Bundy. So he was born in 1975 in Nevada. However, he was raised primarily in Phoenix, Arizona, before moving to Idaho. Some of the worst places in the he country. Mo- I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Like, Nevada, truly, truly. Phoenix, and then Idaho. God. God. I'm sure there's lovely people. There's lovely people in all those places, but those places just objectively are bad. Definitely, like maybe maybe someone in Nevada. I'm not sure. Forest. Okay, so he moved back to Phoenix and lives there with his wife Lisa and six kids, three sons and three daughters. Amon Bundy owns a truck repair company called Valet Fleet Services. The company applied for a five hundred thirty thousand dollar loan from the Federal Small Business Administration in 2010. He's also listed as a member of several other Arizona companies. Oh, see, you know, see, I like this. I like how the son sometimes fixes the problems of the father. You know, obviously he's not an anti-government lunatic because he took a a loan from a government organization. So I'm really glad this is going to be a nice, peaceful episode. (laughs) Uh, Finally, we can relax a little bit. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Finally, some sanity. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's going to be like that for the whole episode. <laughs> uh, not so fast. Okay, so in 2012, he lost his home in a short sale when he fell behind on his property taxes. Mm. But now owns a 5,102 square foot home in Emmett, Idaho. Ooh, nice. Bun- yeah. Bundy was brought up in a LDS family, 
Church of Latter-day Saints, though there are some caveats because in uh, July 2018, Eamon Bundy said at a speaking engagement in Smithfield, Utah, that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is currently infiltrated by globalists, socialists, and even worse, environmentalists. He explains that the very group of environmentalists educated in, quote, government schools have infiltrated the lower and middle levels of the LDS Just church. Just the lower and middle levels. It, <laughs> it's you. Yeah. Yes. It, so the top is fine. The yes, elites. Exactly. I'll tell you. The LDS in an artic- are fine. Yeah. <laughs> in the article in the Daily Herald, he stated that the prosecution of his family is really just a, quote, battle of the high priests. Ooh. He also says, quote, and he answers your question here. So, quote, I know that our church on the lower levels and the mid levels has infiltrated by these same people, but not the higher levels. Okay, Amen said, okay. <laughs> says, as reported by the Herald Journal, I truly believe that those higher levels are honest, good, righteous men who follow the Lord's guidance and inspiration. And I believe that they will guide us through these tough times. Uh, so, yeah, okay. So, yeah, like you said, so the higher-ups in the LAS church are honest, good, righteous men, but they are apparently incompetent men, right? I mean, it's like, uh, okay, so they did a piss-poor job of uh, maintaining some semblance of order here in their lower ranks, I guess. This globalists yeah, were think, able to get inside. Because usually it's like uh, Truman. Yeah. Uh, you know, the buck stops here. I would think the buck stops at the top. Yeah, at those righteous LDS men. Church, right. And so they would be at least somewhat responsible but i think you know you're right he did not say competent he also made it clear to the audience that environmentalism runs contrary to the bible which we all know is true so all right so on january 2nd 2016 an armed group of activists seized and occupied the headquarters of the mulhar national wildlife refuge in harney county oregon and they were all killed by police right (laughs) yeah immediately of course armed group of activists take over exactly i mean you know clearly murdered by police right uh, immediately right yep yep um oh no they were white so no oh, in oh. total the armed activists were there until the final arrest was made on february 11th 2016 ah so they were there for over 40 days yeah man sorry and they just uh let them hang out yeah. on government property that they took over and they were <laughs> armed yep man that is exactly what happens to everyone else in this fucking country <laughs> Eamon Bundy got his feet wet with his brush up with federal law officers with his father, Cliven, in Nevada several years back, as we discussed in the last uh, bonus episode. So the reason the activists took over the wildlife refuge was to make their point that the federal government is constitutionally mandated to turn over federal public land to the individual states. Definitely true. The worst of the worst in federal government agencies, according to these sovereign citizen heroes, were the BLM the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, <laughs> and the USFS, the United States Forest Service, even worse. In the final months of 2015, the residents of the city closest to the wildlife refuge, Burns, Oregon, uh, they noticed a lot of outsiders coming into town dressed in military-style clothing while openly carrying firearms. That's Some great. of the locals con- uh, considered these armed outsiders threatening, even harassing some of the locals, asking them their opinions about the role of federal government. Contrary to their local custom, many of the citizens of Burns, Oregon, began carrying guns themselves, thinking that a violent event was on the horizon. Yeah, so I that, mean, that, that, is, sounded safe. that is the reasonable thought to have. Yeah, it is. When <laughs> men in military uniforms with guns 
are asking you about your opinion about the federal government, yeah, of course <laughs> you're going to think something bad's going to happen. One reason that the Miltons took over the wildlife refuge was to protest the treatment of two local ranchers by the name of Dwight and Stephen Dwight Hammond. These two ranchers, father and son, were serving five years in prison after they were convicted of committing arson on public land. That is until, of course, President Trump pardoned them. Because apparently you can do that. That's totally fine to do. Just like it's totally fine to lie to the FBI, apparently. Okay, no big deal. There was just one little problem of all of this. The Hammonds didn't want their help. But that little detail wouldn't stop Bundy as he pressed forward with his idea. Staff at the Mueller National Wildlife Refuge were dismissed early from work on December 30th, 2015. Supervisors told employees not to return to work unless specifically instructed to do so. So they, I take it they kind of knew something was up. Yeah. And that's they why of, they're like, look, yeah. there's a bunch of these weirdos around. Yeah. Just stay home. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And on January 2nd, 2016, a protest of about 300 people started in a Safeway supermarket parking lot in Burns. Okay. This rally was organized by the Pacific Patrons Network, which is a militia umbrella organization that involves three percenters of Idaho. My understanding is that there it's like only it's something like only three percent of the country fought in the Revolutionary War or something like that. Some basically only three. You only need three yeah. percent of the population yeah. to, 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 to be, be armed, armed and, to yeah, do exactly. whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. So, the, I mean, they're basically advertising this is how big a losers we are. <laughs> we have to advertise the fact that there's barely anyone who thinks we're serious. <laughs> the 3%, that's the goal. That is the top. Statistically insignificant number. All right. Yeah. Um, this group protesting the Hammond case had a presence in Burns since November. At this rally, several speeches were made. Then the crowd marched to the home of Dwight and Stephen Hammond, making a quick pit stop first at the sheriff's office and county courthouse. Then they return back to their safe space, the Safeway parking lot. I wonder what Safeway thought about all this. I know. That's what I was wondering. Did they, did they have someone on the inside of I Safeway? Know. I don't want these folks in my parking lot. Yeah. What about the guy that gets the carts? You know, like he's out there getting the carts. Like, what does he oh think about this? He's God, probably like, no. can you fucking get out of my goddamn way? for listening to this bonus episode sample. If you would like to hear the rest of the episode, along with all our weekly bonus episodes, become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. You can also send us an email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.